Shevich. What a shot. What a match. What a smackdown. And what a counter by JBL on that DDT, allowing the champion to get new life as JBL tries to pull himself up to the ropes. Well, Kurt Angle said it'd be a night we never forget, Cole. Kurt Angle was dead on with that. He was right on that. JBL, the champion. What a match, man. JBL uh -oh. can use the ropes. JBL trying to climb to the top He's of the going, baby. He, he He's hurt, though. Favoring the ribs yeah. off the frog splash. JBL's hurt, Cole. He's definitely hurt, hurt. JBL to the top rope. JBL trying to climb out of the cage. Eddie Guerrero to the to the ropes as well. Eddie and Guerrero could be a Eddie, race. It is a race. That is going up. JBL to the top of the cage. It's a race. race. Eddie Guerrero to the top of the cage. He's supposed to the top four. Guerrero, JBL. Eddie Guerrero, JBL, 15 feet high. This is all about the WWE title. If one of these men can climb out and touch the mat, the four below, they'll win this thing. Both men are trying to go punch a punch. Who was that? Who was that? Who was that? That's that. That's that. Eddie's buddy, that that El Gran Luchador guy. That's a El Gran Luchador. Wait a minute. He just grabbed Eddie Guerrero. El Gran Luchador. Is that the same guy? The same guy was on the ring with Guerrero back in court last week. Yes, it looks like. Wrestling fans, at this time, it gives me a great deal of pleasure to introduce what you have been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is the Dirty Dog Darcy. So you can shut up and realize I am not the flavor of the month. I am not the next big thing in the WWE. I'm the only thing. I'm the only thing that matters because I am the best in the world at what I do. I'll say it again. I'm the best in the world at what I do. Do you understand what I'm saying to you right now? And you're listening to The Dog House with me, the Dirty Dog Darcy, over at MainEventStatus.com. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? Past? When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. And on this podcast, I talk about anything that's on my mind. Movies, wrestling, music, pop culture, politics, whatever. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Did you see it? What is it? We got it! Oh, what is it? Will there be any more of them? I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Now let's get into the podcast. Keep firing, assholes! Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. Enough, I get the point. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Welcome back to the Doghouse Podcast, number nine, with me, the Dirty Dog Darcy, over at NativeEventStatus.com, 
and soundcloud.com slash studio and of course if you subscribe to iTunes there as well on today's podcast I am wrapping up the Eddie Guerrero versus John Bradshaw Leafield series from 2004 today Mr. Beverly Hills my old co-host from Minivent Status Radio is joining me to review the cage match John Bradshaw Layfield and Eddie Guerrero had on SmackDown from July 15th, 2004. I did find an interview that Eddie Guerrero had on SmackDown leading up to the cage match. I'm going to be inserting the audio here in a few moments because it relates to a few things that Mr. Beverly Hills and I did talk about later on in the podcast. So I'll insert the audio right now. Eddie, tonight you have the opportunity to regain the WWE Championship. But before we talk about tonight's steel cage match, how would you address the controversy that's surrounding yourself and El Gran Luchador from last week on SmackDown? Controversy? El Gran Luchador? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. You know, I really like his style, Holmes. You know, that probably explains why... I became friends with him. I mean, we're like this, Holmes. I even patterned my whole style after him, Holmes, which is why I can uh, understand why people confuse me and him all the time. You know, it's not the first time it happens. You know, he's an amazing wrestler. He's so amazing. JBL ran from him. But you know what? I said, Holmes, JBL, he's not going to be able to run away tonight, I said, Oh, no. <laughs> no, Holmes. See, there's a steel cage. Around JBL and Latino Heat tonight, I say. And it's do or die, Holmes. There's nothing but fear, anxiety, (laughs) pain, and the WWE Championship, Holmes. There's nothing but that tonight in it for me tonight, I say. Woo, can you understand, I say? What a high, Vato Loco. What a high. Tonight, I am going to get high. Tonight, I am going to be the WWE champion. Viva mi raza! As you heard, Eddie Guerrero talked about El Grand Luchador. Mr. Beverly Hills and I will be talking about that. Mr. Beverly Hills and I will will be talking about uh, who else on the SmackDown brand that could be hot-shotted to be the number one heel in 2004. We'll, we will be talking about the greatness of Eddie Guerrero and how he was used to build up John Bradshaw Leafield in 2004, the summer of 2004. Heck, you know what? Instead of me blabbing even more like I normally do for the Opens, let's kick it to the body of the podcast where Mr. Beverly Hills and I review the third and final, final match of the series between JBL and Latino. He Here it comes, Cole. For the first time in SmackDown history, the WWE title will be decided inside a steel cage. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is the steel cage match for the WWE Championship. Now in this match, the door will be chained shut. The only way to win is by pinfall, submission, or escaping the cage over the top and having both feet land on the arena floor. That 15-foot high steel cage surrounding the ring. And ladies and gentlemen, comes the champ. Here comes JBL. There it is, baby. Long horns, big white super stretch limo. Change his style as usual. Oh. Making his way to the ring from New York City, weighing in at 297 pounds, is the WWE Champion, John Pritchard Mayfield. JBL desperately trying to change his image. I believe a bit disingenuous, but nonetheless. What are you talking about? What do you mean disingenuous? believe JBL was into this handshake and this kissing babies, but he is the WWE Champion. 
as JBL shows his concern as he looks at the steel cage. Well, now look at the JBL, Cole. Come on, you just say that. The man is shaking kids' hands. He's a good forward to this. He's a I don't think JBL means it. The WWE champion heading to the ring and heading to a steel cage. Tonight, the champion perhaps in an element that may indeed favor the challenger. And I don't believe JBL means this. I believe he's disingenuous, all this handshaking with the fans. Well, that's your opinion, Cole. You're entitled to it. Nonetheless, coming up next, JBL defends the WWE title against Eddie Guerrero inside a steel cage. Welcome back to the Welcome back to the Dog House. I'm the Dirty Dog Darcy, and on today's edition of the Dog House, we are covering the Steel Cage match between John Bracha Layfield, the WWE champion, take on challenger Eddie Guerrero from July 15th, 2004, <laughs> I believe. And that he, sounds right to me, man. And as you guys heard, with helping me out with doing JBL's theme song, is the <laughs> one, the only, Mr. Beverly Hills. No, Mr. Be- Mr. Beverly Hills isn't here. A cow is here. <laughs> I just got it out of here, and I sat down. The cow is helping you with the theme song, not me. <laughs> I'm surprised that cow didn't make any more when he was trying to get out of your your personal office. Great, great insulation in the new house. Back when we were renting, probably couldn't have a cow in my house. Uh, I think that might be against the rental Maybe agreement. Maybe the cow was upstairs, Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> Frick, I think it was. I told you, you all you listeners heard on the last podcast with the, with the stupid veggie tray incident so i i do believe that it was a cow <laughs> so mr beverly hills what yes what sir I, what i talked to you i don't know two three four weeks ago and offered you to come on to talk talk with me on about this match yes what, what was your thoughts i i was definitely up for it um oh four was one of the peaks of my wrestling viewership I guess you would say now it kind of it always would wane during my uh, during my high school summers I don't want to sound like some cool dude but I was usually doing things during the summer so I wasn't able to watch a lot of wrestling during the summer so but I do definitely remember this um, these matches and this angle and, and everything surrounding it well to be honest with Mr. Beverly Hills you I am going to Diagnose you with OCD. <laughs> yeah, she said I was OCD. One cool dude, yeah! But I did agree with you that 2004 was probably the peak of my fandom. Um, I honestly, I watched SmackDown more than Raw because, well, during 2004 I did have cable, but up to 2002 I just had basic TV, so sure. the only show I was able to get was SmackDown. Rock on. So, and SmackDown was on, I think, an hour earlier than Raw during the week. So, and also being in high school, it's a lot easier for me to watch, to step and watch the whole SmackDown without, you know, falling asleep. I'm like, what I did most Monday nights during Raw was fall asleep after, like, the first hour, then wake up Tuesday, go to school, come back and watch, the, like, the second hour of Raw on, on tape. <laughs> Bedtime is 9 o'clock. Yes. <laughs> No, not so. Now, not so much. Well, nine a.m. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is You're true. Partying all night long, yeah. Woo! But yeah, I wanted to pick this feud and you know get you on to talk about you know a match from this series because back in two thousand four, the rise of JBL, I was on his bandwagon. That okay. During. Actually, between the, his Judgment Day match and or their Judgment Day and Great American Bash match, my grandfather passed away from cancer, so from stomach cancer. Sorry. So I watching wrestling was an escape for me from reality for four back then four hours a week, and JBL was a guy that I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be 
I guess, a rich bully in a sense. That you know, Racist, I can I can pay fascist. You. <laughs> That's besides the point. <laughs> oh, it is okay. But right. we're forgetting know. those parts of him. Okay, got yes. it. Yes, yeah, I just wanted. Well, I thought like he was a back then a modern day million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, and I like those kind of characters. I loved those heels even back back when I was in high school. So JBL helped me, I guess, kind of tie in with you know, tie me away from reality for a few hours a week and I lived through him back in 2004 okay and I lived through like Teal Hopper so you know to each their own fair enough both do go use a plunger a lot you know more you know different ways (laughs) why would JBL be using a plunger I don't I don't understand that one do you remember during this time when they were in Germany he did the the goose dump yeah, what does that have to do with the plunger? Uh, that they were thinking about suspending him for a while because of that. I still don't understand the plunger. I don't get the plunger reference. <laughs> you know me, Beverly Hills. You know my jokes are horrible. But I, I don't get it. Like, yeah. I, you were, I follow everything else except how it ties back to being related to a plunger. I was trying to connect with you, Mr. Beverly Hills. Don't judge. <laughs> That's why I called him a fascist. Didn't you hear that part? Yes, I did. I just <laughs> steamrolled it like I do for a lot of other things. <laughs> but speaking of music, a plunger <laughs> but you know with Eddie Guerrero I hated him in Why? because of You're his crazed. because of his motto that he used on screen of lying cheating and stealing I, isn't that the same thing JBL did <laughs> he just didn't say it I love past oh, break things oh. <laughs> I, I just hated the fact that Eddie Guerrero's moniker was lying, cheating, and stealing and fans supported him for it. Alright, sounds good. And during JBL's main event push, you know, he's, he, you know, this was also during the, the elections in 2004 for here in the United States, that JBL was saying, in JBL's America, guys like Eddie Guerrero will be deported. Yeah, you were, you were right behind him, apparently. Eek! Eek! So I, I'm literally shuddering with right now with your your views that you're getting behind right now. Maybe on a future edition of the Docos, we could talk politics, Mister Beverly Hills. I'd probably cry, run away. <laughs> I'll probably cry. And set you're myself crying. on fire. <laughs> By God, Michael, he's on fire. If it if it mirrors what you repost on Facebook, I'd probably run away and start myself on fire. So we can talk about that too in a future podcast, Mister Beverly Hills. But honestly, nowadays i I love Eddie Guerrero. I love going back and watching his stuff, and going back and and reliving this match and their other two pay per view matches. I felt like Eddie Guerrero helped. Help push, help bring JBL up to the main event scene on SmackDown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about, I just thought in general, the idea of an out of nowhere main event push of a guy who had been serving in the mid card for so many years was pretty cool. And I, I almost saw it like, as hopeful that maybe the guys that I liked would all of a sudden get a, you know, a main event push. So that, uh, I, that intrigued me and it really brought me into SmackDown, I guess. So I, I, I'm happy you brought that up. Cause that was one of the talking points. I wanted to talk to you about that. To be honest, I could care less about Bradshaw up to when he turned heel as JBL. Yeah, for sure. And, I really liked, I guess, I I liked how they tried to build him up right away, because I remember, I was going back and watching, you know, different promos of his on YouTube, after him and Ron Simmons broke up, and he turned heel and all that, fans really didn't get behind him so much, because, yeah, he was treated as a take team mid-card player for so many years, and now, after, okay, jump in, Mr. Beverly Hills. Could you... Rem or I don't know, bring me up to speed. What 
did that consist of? Was there a breakup angle, or did he if, if, did he just come out? I remember him just coming out and doing a promo, but was there more? Do you yes, recall? Yes, there was more. Okay, go ahead. If Could remember, you please bring me up to speed on that? If I remember correctly, Paul Heyman was still the SmackDown general manager up to WrestleMania 20 when SmackDown had a fatal four-way tag team title match for you know for their brand and. And APA was also one of the four teams. Yes. Mm-hmm. And APA lost at WrestleMania 20, I believe. Scotty Tuhati and Rikishi were the SmackDown Tag Champs. But I think Wolf on a stick to that, by the way. I I, I can't remember exactly when, but I think either the SmackDown after WrestleMania 20 or a week or two after that, Paul Heyman, I guess, wanted to write them off. What I heard. Ron Simmons' contract came due, and he had no interest in wrestling full-time anymore, so they had to wrestle a tag match against, I can't remember who, and if they lost, they were done. They were fired, in a sense. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then, then obviously, they lost their match, and I remember in a backstage scene, Ron Simmons was walking out, whatever, JBL was trying to beg him to stay, for them them to beg Paul Heyman for their jobs again. Okay. And then the, I think the following week, JBL came out in the business suit and all that, and you know, try, you know, tried to be the heel, tried to be the main event star. And the first few promos that I watched, people were sitting on their hands. Really, didn't give him much of reaction. Which honestly, I can't blame them because for throughout the Attitude Era and a few years after the fact, he was just a tag team star with with Farouk in the APA. Mm-hmm. So cha- taking him, making him, taking him over to the tag team scene and giving him a main event push, I don't blame the fans because for the first few weeks as well, I sat in my hands like, okay, what are they trying to do with him? And I do remember they gave JBL a bunch of squash matches on SmackDown for several weeks to kind of help help him show off the heel side that he always had. Okay. And I watched the you know, yeah the Judgment Day match with Eddie Guerrero a, in a while back, and you know they had they gave JBL some promo time on the pay per view, and he did not have his promo style down quite yet to what he would have a month later or whatever at the Great American Bash. JBL was I thought was doing a lot of uh, campaign lingo, you know, like I was saying earlier in JBL's America. People like Eddie Guerrero will not last in my America. They'll be kicked out of JBL's America. Okay, okay. Take a breath. <sighs> Jeepers. So that's pretty much kind of the build-up up to, obviously, their Judgment Day match and all that. Okay, yeah. But I that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about, about the upcoming draft here in the WWE in 2016. Do you... I guess this is me being hopeful, but do you feel like they would give guys like the JBLs, the Chris Benoit's, uh, Eddie Guerrero's a chance to actually be pushed up to the main event scene and hold whatever brand's world title for a few months? Well, I definitely think that there's a better chance of it. Whether it happens or not is a different story, but I think that it certainly increases the odds and it even more increases the odds that if a couple years down the road or even a couple months down the road, we'll see if, you know, now when there's, when there's one entity, it takes a long time before you start getting to the lower guys. If you're picking them off, when you split that in half, it only takes two or three injuries. And now you're to the JBL level or you're to the, whoever level because you know that's kind of what we saw in 2004 was like you have Eddie Guerrero win coming out of Wrestlemania but Angle I think really was hurt yes yeah. I know yeah Eddie Guerrero so, won the title at No Way Out from Brock Lesnar Brock mm-hmm, Lesnar's yep. last match was at yep, Lesnar's gone yeah. yep Lesnar's gone I know Goldberg was on Raw but he's gone um Angle's hurt so you got to have somebody for Eddie to face, and I guess their options were either to take the people who were already at the top or to make someone, and they chose to make someone. And I do definitely think that the brand split will definitely increase the 
possibility that that would happen for sure. Yeah, because like I mentioned earlier, I felt like Eddie Guerrero helped build JBL, and I believe JBL mentioned that on different podcasts that I've heard that he he did years back. That he said that if it wasn't for Eddie Guerrero, he doesn't think his his early main event push would have been as successful as it was. And it sounded like Eddie Guerrero even pushed to have JBL win the title from Eddie Guerrero because Eddie was feeling. Uh, I guess all the pressure of being champion on his shoulders and it felt like he couldn't hold the title for much longer than what he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that, well, yeah, Eddie Guerrero being the champion had a ton to do with the success there because I think anybody else or someone who wasn't as um, popular with the fans, it wouldn't have worked and... Even more so, even not just his popularity, but also being so good in his character, even though you said you didn't like it. Um, he knew his character. He was able to play that. And um, he was really able to kind of, I think, help JBL along through this through this feud. Yeah, because like I said, I've watched you know their Judgment Day match, their bull rope match with Great American Bash as well. And each match... Is definitely different from from the other. That I felt like yeah. each match told a different story, had different kind of psychology written throughout it, and which I very well enjoyed. And I had to credit that to Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, I I would for sure give him the credit on it. I I mean, I don't know, I don't know, but I'm guessing that he would be the one that would have the kind of the take the lead with these two. Yeah, because I know you kind of mentioned earlier on either, you know, using a main event guy to take the title off of Eddie or build up a guy. You know, I was kind of going through the SmackDown roster in 2004 and only other options I thought about that could possibly work as taking the title off of Eddie other than JBL was probably either Booker T, who was just brought over from Raw to SmackDown as a heel, because if I can recall, Booker hate on screen was hated that he got moved to SmackDown the B show. When did he get moved over? I think shortly after WrestleMania twenty. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because he was there for the judgment, both Judgment Day and Great American Bash pay per views. Got it. Either I think either yeah, take Booker T or maybe Undertaker. Yep. Or maybe, oh, do an early shot of John Cena and give John Cena the title. Yeah, Cena had just beat Big Show at WrestleMania for the U.S. US Championship. Uh, Undertaker had just returned and beat Kane. Um, You know, they're both on the babyface side, though. You'd have to... So, I mean, I I really think turning to someone new was your best option. I really do. Yeah, because I was looking looking through the roster and, you know, I used to the pay-per-view card, you know, the matches and all that. And, yeah, they just brought Booker T over, but he was, I, I thought he was in the same boat that on Raw for a few years that JBL was in, the, you know, the mid-card scene, and people wouldn't really take him as serious with the main event push. And I was kind of thinking, who else, you know, they could bump up, and I was thinking JBL was probably the best bet because at least... Well, I wouldn't go that far, but it worked. It, it worked. It, I, when you, it, If you put yourself actually in that time, it was very out of the blue. I guess I was wanted to get at that. I feel like JBL was one of the better choices because at least until he finally figured out, you know, his best promo you know, ability and all that, he, he, I, I feel like he was one of the best on the mic during that time. But we didn't know that. Fair enough, yeah. We, yeah. Until they gave him the chance that we Take didn't Take off that. the 2016 glasses. You got to look then. Then. Not so, now. Yeah, we, we didn't know. So, kind of thinking of it, I know uh, Michael Cole and Taz in 2016 get crapped upon a lot. Do you remember your thoughts on that, that announced team in 2004? Oh, hated them. Oh, you hated yeah. them? What, oh yeah. Why did you yep. hate them back in 2004? Cuz uh they were everything was so repetitive. Uh each match was on Taz's end, he would say the same exact things and Michael Cole was so transparently just like 
spewing what was told to him, it even 17-year-old me, 16-year-old me hated it. Okay, then I take Big it you time. S- Take it you still don't like them now in 2016 looking Oh, they've definitely improved. I'd say uh, Cole, it's taken a long time, but he's definitely improved to be to the point of being serviceable for sure. Then Taz, I haven't really watched and didn't watch anything of him in TNA, so I can't speak speak on him in the last, I don't know, six or so years. Well, he even hasn't been there for like three years. Whatever. (laughs) And gimmick matches. You know, this... In fact, this, this cage match was used to be the blow-off of the JBL Eddie feud. Do you feel like, why, after watching the match, uh, their feud was ended, finally ended, after JBL escaped the cage? No, but I think we should get to that at the end of the match, not now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I do think, I will say, though, I think that going from... A straight match to a bull rope match to a cage match is not a very good progression. I get that they did this story for a storyline reason, but to put, I think a bull rope match, especially how that bull rope match was and how bloody it was, should have probably been the feud ender, not this one. Okay, because I know we talked about you know it, the bull rope match being bloody. The, their Judgment Day match was just as bloody. Too. Okay. Yep. Okay, so I can understand them being on SmackDown on UPN at the time that they yeah. can't really do much, much blood in this being on T, yeah, TV. So they can they got some limitations there. But you know, talk about this cage match and the bull rope match. I don't know if you caught it during the you no know, during the match from the announcers, but they did. Can't remember if it was Taz or Michael Cole, but one of them I do remember saying, "Oh, this was Eddie Guerrero's choice of match." You know, for it being a yeah. cage match because. And obviously this wasn't said, you know, in the cage match, but the bull rope match at the Great American Bash was JBL's choice of match. Yep, they said that. Okay. Yep, they I, said that JBL got to pick that one, so then this is uh, Guerrero's response to that. Yep. So I couldn't remember if they did or not, but mm-hmm. I, I that's one thing I did appreciate in the announcing, that they, they at least pointed that out, which I feel like if they do that nowadays or have stuff feels like this nowadays, the announcers probably won't mention that. How do you know that? I guess I should watch more of the current stuff to be able to say that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. At least on the pay-per-views-wise, they don't. So That's I want, true. So I want to talk to you about, I guess, the pops that JBL and Eddie Guerrero got at the beginning of this clip. JBL, yes. JBL, I don't think, really got much of a response, but... When the early few first few beats of Eddie Guerrero's themes on the hit, what was your thoughts on how of the reaction that he got? They were piped in. Were they? Yes. Hmm. That's right. I'm bad on yeah. horrible on picking that up, huh? I don't know what crowd sounds like this. I was trying to pay attention to the crowd when the, when he was walking out, and I really couldn't tell because the video quality that we had wasn't really the greatest either. And and JBLs were even worse. It was boom. I thought yeah, that was a calendar's theme song. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, so obviously, I can tell that really you weren't high on that. Did that hurt your viewing of the match? No. But I knew that you were going to think that they were real. It's still real me, damn it. Yeah. So are you ready to get in the match? Sure. Okay. Uh, I felt like this match was tied in, or the main storyline of this match was JBL trying to escape the cage from Eddie Guerrero because he was tired of, tired of, I guess, brawling with Eddie Guerrero from, the, from their last two matches. Well, first you should probably say the rules of the match. Okay. It's pinfall submission, or escape the cage and both feet had to land on the arena floor. Right, escape the cage over the top, yeah. not the normal where you could also go through the door, just over the top. Yeah, the door was chained shut. Yep. So, which, which yeah, then yeah, again, yeah, JBL tried to climb the, you know, I felt like the story was JBL trying to escape the cage, not actually had to beat up Eddie Guerrero like one would assume he would want to. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was I guess... Just in general, part of JBL's kind of interesting character to me that he's like this 
big guy, powerful guy. No, you know, he when he does brawl, he's a good brawler, but at the same time, he's just a total coward, you know, just a total puss, you know. So it's like he at the same time when he's forced to fight, he can do it, but he really doesn't want to. And I think that's an interesting thing. And I kind of, I guess I did kind of like that. That's some good nuance. I think usually when we think of cowardly characters, there's you, they're usually kind of small guys, but it's kind of interesting to see a cowardly heel be, um, you know, a guy that can really throw if needed. Oh yeah. Cause that's what I, I've noticed that especially more so in this match that Eddie, Eddie Guerrero being, I don't know, seemingly like a foot shorter than than JBL, you know, having maybe a hundred pounds lighter than him too. Having him be more of the aggressor than JBL made me maybe scratch my head about that. But I did, like you said, I did enjoy JBL's cowardly heel antics, though, too, in this match. Mm-hmm, yeah, it just it's just an interesting nuance. I think that we usually don't see when we have kind of the the basic characters i guess you should say or the kind of archetypes this is taking an archetype and kind of spinning it a little bit because like i like i had mentioned um i will say i think the rules of this match um make eddie look dumb because why would a baby face not a heel a baby face make the rules that you can escape. He should want it to end in the ring. Yeah, he should, it yeah. Should, yeah, it, if JBL created the rules, he would, because he's afraid of him and he doesn't want to actually fight him, he, he would want escape. I guess maybe because Eddie put in the escape the rules because he has obviously a lot more speed behind him than JBL does, so... It'd be easier for Eddie to escape the cage and Okay, so then why didn't he? That, On two separate occasions, he got to the top and then didn't leave. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Yeah. So that's so that's why he looks like a dumb baby face, and you don't want your good guys to look stupid. Well, kind of talking about Eddie Guerrero climbing to the top of the cage and all that. There's one spot early on in the match that I took note of that I thought that was awesome, and I don't remember seeing in any other match was. Eddie Guerrero hit the side Russian leg sweep onto JBL from the top row. Mm-hmm. Yep, that looked cool. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good one. I really enjoyed that, and I felt like both guys sold it too for several seconds enough to put over how much that, that hurt both of them. And I, if I remember correctly, the announcers even put over how what each guy is willing to do to one another to win the match and walk out with the title. Mm-hmm. And JBL hit a superplex... Uh, where Eddie was on the top wall. So this would actually have been when Eddie climbed to the top. Uh, JBL had a superplex of him off it, which looked really good. Um, yeah, they, they were able to, I think, use their environment fairly well without... Uh, I mean, they're, they're put kind of in an interesting position, surely, because usually when you have a cage match, you're going to use the cage, and they really can't. Because of the network TV rules, you know, there, there's not going to be any face raking. There's not going to be obviously any blood, you know, so they really kind of painted a picture and the booking was well done where, you know, JBL was stopping Eddie every time that he tried to put him into the cage and they used more, I guess, the structure of it rather than the, you know, chain link itself. Yeah, because I know I talked about when Eddie tried to ram JBL's face in the mesh and JBL stopped it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hear the announcers, probably, I could probably see it being Taz saying something along the lines of JBL doesn't want his million dollar face to get smashed into the mesh. And all. Almost, almost. He said that, hey, go to the salon. He's got, he's got a nice hair. He doesn't want his hair to get messed up. <laughs> I saw all what close. That made me laugh, and I did chuckle when I hear Taz say that. His jokes are awful. <laughs> Which is probably why I like Taz, because my jokes are awful. Yeah, probably. Then I know, another spot that I really, really liked was during, I think, one, one of the times they took a commercial that uh, GBL hit, I think it was, uh, I don't know if they were going, can't, 
can't remember if they're they're probably when they're going into a commercial. JBL hit the clothesline from hell and only got the two count. Then once when Eddie kicked out, Michael Cole told us that they're going to go into a commercial, and I felt like that. As for me, as a fan, if I was watching SmackDown when it was aired, it would have tied me in through the through the commercial to come back to see if JBL still has the upper hand. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just me being a big JBL fan. I think so. I think so. Then me talk about the closing from Hell Spot and memory, and I want to get your thoughts. Okay. I remember. I think it was shortly after that clothesline from Hell Spot that I, that I mentioned that when JBL was going for another clothesline from Hell, he you know hit the ropes, was coming back. Eddie Guerrero ju- you know jumped to his feet and hit encountered the clothesline from Hell with a drop kick. Okay. And I felt like something like that was super simple. Was you know super a super simple counter for to a super simple finishing maneuver. And I know silly, you know, that it, I, I might be from Brooklyn, I don't know, Taz joke. Oh. But I wanted to get your thoughts on a simple counter like that to JBL's finishing maneuver. Well, any any counter, I guess. But yeah, I, I like it. and I But I really love, JBL's clotheslines always look great. Yeah. You know, he is, they look fantastic. And he hit one uh, in this match that looked just really good. He's, I, yeah. Uh, I guess, I'm not going to hate on JBL in the ring. He looks pretty, he looked pretty darn good. You know, I guess I really like that, that counter spot that Eddie, that Eddie hit. That, it seemed like the, that drop kick was hit out of nowhere. And I really, <laughs> really liked it. Sure. So is there any other spots that you like before we get to the finish of the match? Oh, definitely. I got a ton. Okay, let's talk about him, Beverly Hills. Um, well, I thought it was interesting. Um, a couple things, I guess. When Michael Cole said they were going to stay with the match, the news was after after SmackDown, so I don't think they were going to. <laughs> so I, th- I found that in you know in, on cable you can play that game on network TV, not so much. Um. I I enjoy that. I guess I did catch Michael Cole say that. I didn't put two and two together. That yeah, the news was the local news was on on after SmackDown. So I didn't think think nothing of it. Like I, like you said, I'm so used to them being on cable or on the WWE network that they can go past you know to go past the time frame if if needed. Yes, of course. Um, I thought a really cool spot was when. JBL was setting up that he was going to do a follow-away slam of Eddie into the cage, and I was like, "Oh God, this is going to look, this is going to be cool." But then Eddie turned that into a DDT, which I thought looked even better. Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool spot to talk about that. I can't remember if it was their Judgment Day match or their Great American Bash match offhand, but I remember one time on one of those two matches that Eddie sent JBL to the outside of the ring. And Eddie was going to jump over the top rope and land on JBL, and JBL oh, okay. caught him outside the ring and then hit the follow-up slam on the outside of the ring on the mat, which I thought looked awesome. So I felt like, you know, Eddie Guerrero having a counter to the follow-up slam in this cage match was a progression on JBL or Eddie Guerrero figuring out JBL's moveset yeah. and having counters to his big moves, which I like. Sure, well that's sure. Well, that's a really cool throwback then or callback to their other matches. Well done. Um, let me see. I also liked... Um, so Eddie did actually try to climb over once and JBL pulled him back, which looked cool, and he pulled him in, and then he hit just a freaking crazy-looking powerbomb. Where... Did you did you see that one? He just freaking... God dang, tried to bury him in that, the mat there. That's one thing that I really liked about JBL was his powerbombs that he hit, especially with Eddie Guerrero looked... Simply amazing, and, look, and Eddie, how Eddie sold them made it, made, it yeah. made them look ten times more impactful than what. The yeah, and I don't even, I don't, I didn't even remember him doing power bombs, but that looked awesome. That looked really good, and yeah, Eddie's selling of it was good. But man, he drove him through the through the mat on that one, uh, and it looked really really cool. Um, Let's see. Did, did we, oh, yeah. Have we talked Sorry, about the, to, the top of the cage frog splash yet? No, but I was just going to say I wrote Eddie gets on top of the cage but jumps off because it's stupid, because he's stupid and it hurts him. Okay, because actually wrote, wrote down this. 
I wrote down to get your thoughts on the top rope frogs, top of the cage frog splash, and you just answered that question for me, and I totally agree with you that even the announcers are putting off, Eddie, you have the match one, you have the title <laughs> one, climb down, win it, then he'd turn around and hit the top of the cage frog splash, and I don't know if you noticed it during the replays, but I thought it was kind of cool seeing GBL kind of, I guess, rotate a little bit with Eddie Guerrero, and Eddie Guerrero was about to land on him, okay. if, you, if you noticed that. I should kind of, I assume, kind of help take take the help take the impact for Eddie Guerrero when he landed on JBL. Well, but, I hope so. That's being a good opponent. Yes, I think. but I do agree with you. That was completely stupid. But to me, yeah, it also it showed. To me. to me, it also showed how much Eddie Guerrero was willing to do to himself and put it, JBL through to win the title back. Yeah, and I mean, I guess there is the element that you can pin them. Yeah. It's not just escape. If it was just escape, that's different. Then it would really be dumb. But at least, at least you can pin them. But I just knew why. Well, I knew who won. But I mean, I was like, this is foolish because he's going to hurt himself in the Rob Van Dam esque frog, frog splash. And what was your thoughts on them seemingly taking Eddie a little bit of time to finally roll over and try to cover JBL? I mean, that was fine. I I do get that it would hurt you. You did jump from the cage. Okay, because I, I, I feel like Eddie Grill also sold his impact of the Frog Splash very well, too, and I very well enjoyed that. Uh-huh. So then after that, the finish came. Uh, yeah, you know, JBL, yeah, JBL kicked over the two, then the JBL pulled himself up on the on the ropes, if I remember correctly, after after the pin attempt, then hit a DDT. Mm-hmm. Then after that, the both guys started to climb the cage, kind of slowly up by <laughs> the, up by the announcers. Right, yeah, that's how it goes for then sure. El Grand Luchador ran <laughs> down the aisle, climbed up the cage, jumped in the ring, ran over, and grabbed Eddie's leg. Yes. Now El Grand Luchador had been making appearances. Up to this point, and I when I was looking up what JBL had been up to, he had beat him on television like a month prior. <laughs> so I think it's this is I liked the they were kind of laying the seeds or planting the seeds for El Gran Luchador here. Think of it. I know they were kind of mentioning when El Gran Luchador ran down that him and Eddie were friends. Mm-hmm. Did you look up online on who played El Gran Luchador before this match? I do not know. No, I didn't. Okay. I should have looked. Anyway, yeah, anyway, when El, El Gran Luchador held Eddie's leg, letting JBL climb all the way over the top of the cage and let him drop down, retaining the title, scoring the victory. Yes. Then, so obviously, yeah, JBL won. And I would love to talk to you about the what happened after JBL dro- dropped and retained the title. Uh, one second. Oh, it looks like um, it was Shannon Moore. Okay, makes sense. Because why well, can remember El Gran Luchador seemed pretty small and thin. Yeah, looks like we used. Yeah, Shannon Moore was El Gran Luchador the first time. Then it was Eddie Guerrero. Oh, I guess the first. Sorry, the first time, April twenty second, which was the one I was talking about. That was Paul London. <laughs> then it was Shannon Moore. Then it was Eddie Guerrero. Then it was uh, finally the one that we're talking about. Okay. Then yeah, after JBL felt like a crap, uh, a sack of crap, and retained the title, Al Gran Luchador was doing the Eddie dance in the rain and all that. Yes. Yeah, which, which I thought was funny. Went to the door to try to get out, but it was chained shut, so he he couldn't get out. Then Al Gran Luchador, through his body language, seemed very angry that they wouldn't open the door for him. So yeah, and I I thought it hasn't El Gran Luchador been watching the match? He should know that it's not open. Should have, yeah. So El Gran Luchador started to climb the cage and you know, stage shot again. Then Eddie ran up, started to like kind of you know pull the tight shirt over his face to kind of to me look like try to give him a wedgie, kind of. With what? <laughs> When when Eddie was pulling the he was no he's pulling his shirt yeah to me he looked, was just trying to you you what, do you know what a wedgie is yes yeah, so it does it doesn't involve the shirt I know what well, anyway Eddie was pulling the shirt uh, over 
and pull the mask off. Once Eddie fell back to the ring with the mask, El Gran Luchador fell fell to the outside of on the outside of the ring and all that. Pulled the shirt down, then finally realized his mask was gone. And well, he was like dancing and happy, and then he saw Eddie Guerrero with the mask and realized he didn't have it on. Which I was like, "Come on!" Like, really? It, it took that. He was like, "Oh yeah," and then just seeing it. Oh no, I'm not wearing a mask anymore. And it was revealed that the guy that screwed Eddie Guerrero in this cage match was the one, the only, my favorite Olympic gold medalist, the SmackDown general manager himself, Kurt Angle. Yes. Yes, it was. Who had been in a wheelchair since around WrestleMania. I, uh, well, the whole yeah. angle as on TV was that took... Kurt away from the wrestling ring, him in the him him in the wheelchair was. Uh, I guess Big Show was all pissed off for whatever reason. Not losing a match was chasing Tori Wilson was gonna throw her off of like a docking stage or whatnot, and Kringle okay. Kringle stopped him, and then Big Show kind of like choke slammed him off, and Kringle fell like I don't know ten fifteen feet. WWE oh, terms. that's right. And that's Ang- right. Angle fell funny and hurt his hurt his leg, which is why his one of his legs was in a cast all the time. Got it. That's right. That's and, right. And a little side note: on the Great American Bash DVD, in in an extra, Luther Reigns walked in after his match in, into Kurt Angle's office and saw Kurt Angle doing squats without his oh. cast on. So they were planting. They were. They were okay. planting seeds on the DVD extra. People bought it and actually found it. That Kurt Angle is gonna come back sometime soon, and we don't know when. Okay. So I guess to tie back to tie back with a question I asked earlier, and you said let's wait until we finish the match. Do you yeah. feel like this cage match was a f- final blow off for the Eddie Guerrero JBL feud? Oh no! I thought it was a very poor. Um, excuse for the uh, the end of the feud. I mean, I get that they didn't want to just, I guess, put JBL over clean um, on Eddie, but you almost have to uh, because I I just think doing this kind of thing. I know I, I like I said I know they're trying to I guess keep. Guerrero strong, but it makes him look worse in that he never really got his chance to, um, you know, to to get anything on JBL here. He lost his title to him, and he never got to do anything. So yeah, I agree agree with you on that, and I feel like this was a in ways a horrible tie-in on trying to give JBL the rub because. Because leading into their Judgment Day match, JBL won like Kurt Angle's Great American Award or something like that. Which, <laughs> That's right. Which gave him the gave him the number one contender match at Judgment Day. Then, J, then Eddie Eddie Guerrero got himself disqualified in that match. Then then Kurt Angle gave JBL you know another title match at the Great American Bash and was able and gave him the stipulation too. And Kurt Angle came out at the end of the match saying that. Well, as a as a general manager, I'm supposed to, you know, yeah. As a general manager, I need to make sure the best calls are made. And Eddie, I'm sorry, but we got to look at this different camera angle. And we revealed that JBL shoulder hit hit it the oh, final yeah. turnbuckle first. So I remember that. Yeah, I feel like in ways in a odd sense that we can see tied in that current that we were trying to get give the current angle rub in ways. Heel heat rub to JBL, which we kind of got. Yeah, I still, I just don't think it's a good way to end a feud. Fair, fair enough. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a dirty dog, Darcy. I'm asking you guys to please stand by for some technical difficulties in the podcast.
himself a cabinet. I liked the use of the Basham brothers and um, I mean, probably the best use that Orlando Jordan's ever had in his career, uh, whether deservedly or not, but he looked to, that was, that was the best use of that. Um, so yeah, I like that he, cause again, like at the core, his deal is that even though he is capable of doing things, he's a coward and yeah. Um, what would a coward do but surround themselves with people that get beat up for them? So, yeah. what, which I very, very well enjoyed too. Talk about the yeah. cabinet. I remember going into WrestleMania 21. John Cena was the U.S. champion, and JBL had Orlando Jordan face John Cena, and I think somehow cheat to win the U.S. title from yeah. John Cena. I remember on a SmackDown when because JBL had a spinner U.S. title, they threw it in the trash can and lit it on fire. And all that to kind of piss out <laughs> I, John I Cena. That. So that, that stuff that that made me laugh too. And I, and I guess I I like GBL because yeah, he's the big Texan bully, rich guy that is a coward and has to try to cheat to cheat to win. And if he absolutely has to, he's like you said, he's willing to brawl when he has to. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Mister Beverly Hills, where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, you can find me at Beverly Hills MES. And thank you, Mr. Beverly Hills, for coming on and talking to me about this awesome, or not so awesome, yeah, it was cage, good enough. steel cage match between Eddie Guerrero and JBL. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Woof, woof. Well, JBL had that toothy grin on his face after the powerbomb. I think the champion what? thought it was over. And how did Guerrero early kick out of that close left? Look at JBL. JBL up to the top rope. JBL trying to escape the cage again. It's not going to matter, Paul. JBL's going to go over that top, but here comes Guerrero again. And Eddie Guerrero catching up to JBL as the champion is on that top rope. Now what? Now what? Guerrero. What's he going to do? Trying to balance himself. Shoulders shot to the gut. Shoulders into the gut. JBL hanging on. Guerrero's trying to just... JBL not going to the top rope. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Paul. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie's looking good. Championship here! He's close! Eddie Guerrero, JBL's not moving! Go for it, Eddie man! Go for it! Eddie Guerrero is gonna win it right here! And he's gonna climb over, baby! It's this. Wait a minute. Oh no. Oh my god. Eddie, don't do this! Eddie! That's 15 feet high no, that no. cage! No, well, Eddie, don't no. do it, Eddie! Eddie, don't do no, it! No, no, Eddie, no! Doghouse Podcast, episode number nine. You guys just heard me talk with Mr. Beverly Hills for about 40 to 45 minutes talking. Eddie Guerrero versus John Bradshaw Layfield. Steel cage match for the WWE Championship from SmackDown, July 15th, 2004. Thank you, Mr. Beverly Hills, for coming on. Follow him on Twitter at Beverly Hills M-E-S. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Dirty Dog M-E-S, that's dog as in D-A-W-G, at Dirty Dog M-E-S on the Twitter. You guys can listen to the show on three different platforms, com. Again, that's com. You guys can listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash radio. Again, that's soundcloud.com slash radio. You guys can listen to us on iTunes. You guys can hit the subscribe button 
rate, review the show. Please help me move the show up on the iTunes charts where other people can listen. Search out the Doghouse Podcast or Mid Event Status Radio on iTunes. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys downloading, hearing us chat about the third and final installment of the JBL Eddie Guerrero series from 2004. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Thank you guys for listening. Till next time, I bid you guys adieu. Shame to cry, ooh, baby. Here I am, signed to deliver. I'm yours, ooh, yeah. I went and said goodbye, and now I'm back, and not ashamed to cry, ooh, baby. Here I am, signed to deliver. I'm yours. They should get, you should get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. That's so good.